The Bucketeers Podcast is a proud member of the TSPN, the Timeski Podcast Network. You can catch our podcast on a number of outlets, including Apple, Spotify, Timeskew.com, along with Google. And you can follow us on Twitter today at Bucketeers. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to yet another fantastic episode of the Bucketeers Podcast. It would even be a little more fantastic if our record was not 3-2 and two at this very point in time, if it would be, you know, one up in the win and one down in the loss. But nonetheless, we're here. We're over 500. We're still vying for first. We're in a three-way dog, uh, dog fight in the NFC South right now. I am alongside, as always, a great co-host, Big Bukowski. We'll bring him in shortly. But first, once again, we are the Bucketeers, and we are on the TSPN. You can find us on timeskew.com. Shout out to those guys. Shout out to our Timeskew affiliates as well. Cleve and me, wrestling podcast. Big Reekin, great guy. He covers all sports, really, and a lot of other great um, podcasts. So just go catch him on there. Check my uh, writing out on Timeskew as well, and I also edit on Timeskew. So very involved there, great place. Go check us out there, TSPN. You don't want to miss it. You can follow them on Twitter as well at TSPN underscore. But my oh my, as I already said, it's a little salty being three and two. We had a game Thursday against the Bears. Didn't go as planned. Um, a lot of things went wrong with that game. Not only Buccaneers things, referee things. We'll get into that a little bit later as well. But we do have a fun matchup coming up against the Green Bay Cheeseheads and. Uh, It'll be a little interesting because uh, my girlfriend's actually a Packers fan, so it'll be a battle. Yeah, big ooh there. It's a battle of the Bays. We have Tampa against Green, and Green is actually traveling to Tampa. And Big Buck, I know um, in the past, I think we've actually fared pretty well against Green Bay. We may not always – we don't beat them often, but we play tough, and I do remember a specific game in the mid-2000s and Josh Freeman's rookie year. We wore creamsicles in Green Bay, and we won our first game, so that was a lot of fun. Big Buck, how we doing, and are you pumped for this Green Bay matchup? All right, I'm doing good, sir. Thank you for the spectacular introduction, as always. Um, and as for Thursday night, I was a complete mess, um, and I took a lot of time reflecting on why we lost and what could I say – to make our team and our fan base better. Um, So we're going to go into more detail later on in the episode to keep it off the cuff. The officials were really bad. Mm. Uh, Obviously, obvious face mask on the kick return. Tom Brady should have gotten a roughing the passer on Khalil Mack. Uh, The most egregious one, in my opinion, was the roughing the passer penalty on Shaq Barrett. Seriously, what was he supposed to do there? Like, there's, there was no, there was no, I, I just I don't know that was that was horrible. But however, as much as I want to blame the officials, the real reason why we lost was because we were so ill prepared. Chicago should not have won this game, and they did because they came into the game wanting to win more than we did. And the evidence is nowhere more prominent than our piss poor offensive line. The lack of effort is astonishing in some of these guys, and the stupid mistakes and penalties. If there was an opposite of a game ball. Let's call it the game L. I would give it to Donovan Smith, 100%. Mm. 
But anyway, as far as this episode goes, um, we got a, we got a great episode coming up here. Uh, so first off, we're gonna go into more of a detail about the Chicago Bears um, and what was encouraging, what needs more work. Uh, we'll both give our thoughts on the game. Um, then we're gonna go into some unfortunate injuries. And, you know, kind of give our thoughts and opinions on how we can move forward. Um, and, of course, we're going to go into more detail about what's happening in the NFC South. There's a three-way tie for first. And Raheem Morris, back from the grave. We might wow. Have, yeah, I know. How about that? It's pretty incredible how time flies, right? You know, passing acquaintances, meeting, you know, on passing ships, which is going to leave – me or which leads me into my always accurate always prepared super special mfers to look out for (laughs) and then uh put a little bow on it we're gonna go into everyone's favorite red and pewter it's gonna be a great episode um so tones malone since i gave my first impressions about thursday night football i believe it's your turn sir don't hide your emotions let them free me and you can get through this together. We can get through this together, but I think this game hit me even a little more severe because I live in Chicago, perhaps. So that entire element of me walking anywhere and seeing a Bears fan, you know, and I still wear my Buccaneers mask. Yes, I wear a mask. Um, but yeah, I wear my Buccaneers mask and uh, I wear my Bucks jersey and, you know, I'm going around and seeing all these great people, but they're just looking at me funny or saying these nasty things. So, you know, it, it, it was really a tough loss in the sense that you got to deal with these Bears fans and people like that. But, you know, they they do have a – I know a lot of people are hating on them, but they're 4-1, and one, so the loss is um, – at least it was against – you know, a team that's four and one, three games over 500. They've proven that they could win ugly games, I guess. You know, that's what I'm going to say about the Bears. They've proved the Bears that they can win ugly football games. So I don't think Nick Foles is impressive. As you said, the officiating was horrendous. And I have a different worst call than you do, though. I agree that that call was horrible, that roughing the passer call. But to me, to me, the, the the worst missed call was literally when you have the Bears' right guard false start. On oh, a, yeah. On a third and 12, okay? So he moves early. He clearly moves early. The announcers see it. But no, no, they call the second fiddle. Again, Shaquille Bear, Shaq Bear, the same unlucky suspect in the roughing the passer but on this end it was a third and 12 so this you know false start would have put them at third and 17 would have been a total drive killer i mean you talk about killing a drive third and 17 after a penalty forget about it with nick Foles at quarterback i don't even think he could throw 17 yards (laughs) but that being said he did beat us and tom brady again but not only that It turned into a third and seven. They ended up, you know, getting a first down, scoring eventually. And the second play I couldn't stand the most. How do you call that Keyshawn Vaughn one a fumble? I mean, my Lord. Oh, my God. That killed us. That right there killed us because that gave them pretty much 
one score and then immediately in red zone and then they got the ball in the second half first. So exactly. Really, we lost the game before the second half even started, honestly. And, you know, it was a little disgruntled I was because to me, and I, I mean, I was watching the game with several people and they all seen what I've seen. To me, the ball was never possessed completely by Keyshawn Vaughn. There was a minor, all, it was minor, but there was a clear minor bobble in the middle of that play. Not only that, they called it on the field as an incomplete pass. And Big Bunk, me and you know, when the refs call some, they usually stick with it. To add on top of that, you know, I, I'm not really a fan of these third-degree refs who join in, make millions of dollars, and just share their half-assed opinions half the time. But I will say Mike Pereira had the Buccaneers back on a lot of plays on Sunday, but none went our way. Even that one, or on Thursday, I'm sorry, not Sunday. On Thursday, he was even saying, or whoever the special, it's usually Mike Pereira or, you know, I think it was Mike Pereira, but he came in and he was saying, yeah, you know, they should stick with the call on the field of an incomplete pass, blah, blah, blah. No, they changed it. So big buck, these refs were disgusting, but not only that, we lost um, Vita Vea as well, which, mm, not a good thing. We'll get into that a little more late, uh, later as well. But besides losing v, Vita Vea, I think our defense played well because we did, you know, as you just said, we gave him that touchdown or in theory the refs gave him that touchdown, which really was a big part of that game. Without that touchdown, they get a measly 13 points of legit scores and – a lot of that came off of penalties that shouldn't have been called either. I don't know. I'm proud of our defense, Big Buck, but our offense, man, I think it'll be a sigh of relief getting Chris Godwin back. It was good to see Cam Bray get more involved once again, but Scotty Miller disappearing into the night was a little interesting as well. Big Buck, offense a little concerning or not a concern to you at all at this point in time? I, it's heavily concerning to think that no matter how good of a game Tom Brady has, it will get called back on a penalty. Like, we can get a 50-yard gain to Chris Godwin on Sunday, and we're going to get a holding call on Donovan Smith, and instead of 50 yards forward, we go 15 yards backward, and we're going to stall out. We, I think – we're only behind the Arizona Cardinals in stalled drives off of penalties. And that comes from pro football focus. Um, and I think Donovan Smith is responsible for, I think, either three or five of those as well. And it's, it's very concerning to think that no matter how efficient our offense is running, it will just get called back because of, of undiscipline, honestly. And uh, I know a lot of people are kind of, you know, I mean, they did not like watching Tom Brady yell at his offensive line. It was a bad look. Um, but I thought it was great. Like, it, it shows him – it shows that he wants to win. He's not here for a paycheck. He's not here to ride out in the sunset in the beautiful sunset state of the of the United States. Um he wants to win. He wants to bring a Lombardi trophy back to Raymond James and it shows. And honestly, 
with how that drive ended and him getting unglued like that, yeah, I would have done the exact same thing. It's disgusting to think that no matter what you do, it's going to get called back on a bullshit penalty. And I think we're kind of there at this point. Um, I think Bruce needs to step up as a coach and as a disciplinarian. He needs to give some of these guys an ultimatum. I think, honestly, we can trade Donovan Smith to the Cowboys or something and see if we can move Tristan Wirfs to left tackle because I do think he's ready. Because Tristan Wirfs has been going up against the likes of Joey Bosa. He uh, held down uh, Bradley Chubb pretty well. Um, There was a nasty kind of Khalil Mack welcome to the NFL moment where he flipped him, which, again, how is that not a uh, personal foul where after the whistle, Khalil Mack can just flip anybody he wants and it would be perfectly okay. It's not okay. So there was a lot of things that went wrong. Um, It was definitely a wake-up call, I think, especially for our fan base. Um, This team is not going to be a 13-3 and team. This team will probably take the seventh seed in the NFC wild card, and we're going to just have to grow as a team from there. Uh, The future is bright, but right now it's pretty bleak. Yeah, I think um, the Donovan Smith point's interesting, but as we just seen with Le'Veon Bell not even be able to field the seventh-round pick, I think we can both say that Love Bell, uh, former New York Jet running back, he's getting a ton of interest around the league. I think he's a more athletic and talented ball player at this point in time than Donovan Smith. So my concern is, yes, Donovan Smith is a huge problem. Can we trade him? Maybe not, and then at that point, we're probably just eating his salary. So I'd say that we, you know, give him another game or two, but if he doesn't show quick improvement, as you said, five penalties, that's that's ridiculous, ridiculous. He leads the league, man. He leads the league in, in uh, left tackles and penalties. And yeah. you know what? That That's the difference between us and the Packers, man. Guys like him have to improve if this team wants to be better. And I'm sorry, to me, the only offensive linemen that have been holding their own so far have been uh, Jensen. Although, I don't think that headbutt penalty, that's another penalty that shouldn't really have been anything. Jensen didn't really do much. And uh, the Bears player, you know, his helmet was kind of out there too. I even talked to my Bears fan friends who said that it was one of the more bullshit penalties called in the game. I, You know, I still think it was bullshit. I think there's more important. Nonetheless, I think Jensen, Marpet, Wirfs have been holding their own. I haven't seen much from Kappa that's, um, you know, proved to me why he's worthwhile yet. And Donovan Smith is obviously a high concern. I mean, if a guy like Smith or Kappa – you know, this coming week faces a Darius Smith or even like a Vita Vea type, they're going to be in trouble. Speaking of Vita Vea, we've seen an unfortunate thing happen last Thursday is um, up-and-coming star nose tackle Vita Vea, one of our best defenders, if not the Bucks' most prominent defender, went down due to injury. Not only he went down due to injury, he broke his leg. He's out for the season, according to head coach Bruce Arians. And today, all of a sudden, magically popping up on the 
oh-so-irritable injury report for this Buccaneers team in 2020. Carlton Davis is now not trending in the right direction to play. And a move that correlated to this as well as Parnell Motley getting kicked off the practice squad for a veteran just in case we need a veteran former starting corner in there. We do have that on our practice squad now. Big Buck. Obviously, Carlton Davis, not as much of a concern, although we want him there Sunday. What, is, what are your thoughts on both him and Vita Vea's injury? I mean, between O.J. Howard and Vita Vea now, the Bucks are losing some key guys for the season. And on top of that, I mean, we're rotating pieces in like Evans, Godwin, now Carlton Davis, Big Buck. We're struggling, man. We're struggling with these injuries. I mean, it's no different than anywhere else unless you're the Tennessee Titans who can not play for two weeks and then show up completely refreshed. Like, yeah, so I think everybody in the league is struggling with injuries. Um, And it just kind of proves our point that it's incredibly important to have a long offseason and a preseason just for everybody to kind of get into football mode. See, the preseason, what it does, I mean, originally we thought it was more of kind of like a, okay, we're going to try out some guys. We're going to see how our offense is. We're going to, you know, get our timing down, kind of get our toes wet with the season. But now it's come to my attention that the reason why, the number one reason why we we should keep a four-game preseason is 100% because of the fact that the human body cannot go from zero to 60 like and a lot of people you see it with hamstrings you see it with uh, achilles tendons you see it with um you know people with cramps um and it wears on the human body the human body cannot go from standing to jumping without any kind of like uh warm-up or you know because these guys are going so hard these guys are going beyond the physical capabilities of the human body and just to do that without a preseason, it hurts, and we're seeing the consequences from it. As for Vita, as for Vita Vea, the unfortunate thing is he snapped his ankle, um, and he's out for the season. But uh, I, and that really hurts the run game, and consequently that hurts our defense as a whole. Um, I ended up having a conversation with a Mr. Evan Winter. Um, he commented saying how well you know. The Villa's, you know, injury might not be as bad because honestly, he doesn't really contribute much to the pass, uh, pass rush, which he kind of does in his own way. But uh, I see his point. But my retort was more of like, yeah, unfortunately, he doesn't really contribute much. He does, you know, get pressures and everything. But his real value as a team, as a as a defensive lineman, comes in the run game, and he's a brick wall, and he. Clear, he, he clogs the A-gap and forcing the running back to go outside and our fast linebackers and our, our piranha-like secondary can come in and close in. And that's how we handle the likes of, uh, of McCaffrey, have the likes of Melvin Gordon. Um, Kamara was a little bit of a slip-up, but I'm not going to count the first game as, a, as too much of an indication of how our team is doing. Um, but and then the unfortunate bit is if you establish the run, you establish the play action pass. 
and um, that's going to be really dangerous. So hopefully Raheem Nunez, Huevos Rancheros, Roches can uh, come in, uh, be the guy that we know he can be, step up, and uh, we can handle Aaron Jones uh, pretty easily, in my opinion, if we do everything right. As for Carlton Davis, I'm not too worried about him. I hope he – I want him to sit out. I want him to get healthy. I want him to um, not have a career-ending injury or a tear or anything like that because of the circumstances that we said before. Um, and I think without him and I, the secondary is going to just work twice as hard to, uh, to hold down uh, Devontae Adams – um, and I think, uh, I think, you know, our defense is going to be well rested, but unfortunately, so are the Packers coming off of a bye week. It's just going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting. I don't know. I'm kind of in the neutral zone with this one. Tones, what do you think? Yeah, it'll be interesting. It's absolutely awful that we do lose a cog like Vita Vea for the season. I don't care how effective you are at one point in the game, if you're tremendous at another point of it. So I think Vita Vea is a fantastic all-around football player. And even on Thursday, he was getting after Nick Foles. I just, you know, you could see Vita Vea getting after. And even if he wasn't getting after, a lot of the time taking up two offensive linemen or three blockers out there. So just causing an absolute dominant presence. We'll see how guys like Nunez Roches and Khalil Davis, rookie uh, from Nebraska, step in. It'll be really interesting to see how they do. Maybe Pat O'Connor gets a little more tick, and then a guy like William Golston moves inside while Pat O'Connor gets more on the outside. It'll be interesting to see how a lot of these guys fill in, though. And as you said, this Packers team's getting healthy as Devontae Adams was fully healthy today in practice, announced by head coach Matt LaFleur. So it'll be interesting to see if Carlton Davis is not a go, our number one cornerback, if Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles and company go with Jamel Dean or a struggling Sean Murphy bunting as of late to cover Devontae Adams and It's really going to be interesting because Packers number two wide receiver Alan Lazard is out for this game. So at the very, um, you know, for the Buccaneers, the glass half full approach is even if Carlton Davis misses, they're missing their second best wide receiver. So at the very worst, we have our second and third corner going up against their one and three receivers. So it's kind of an even bout, so to say although Devontae Adams is a hell of a wide receiver, so you'd like to have Carlton Davis be suiting up. And, you know, if we win, hopefully we can get that first place spot back. Speaking of first, Big Buck, we have a couple of intriguing headlines around the NFC South, and we always like to dig into the NFC South. We have a three-way tie for first between the Saints, the Bucks, and the Carolina Panthers has snuck their way up into a three and two record. And for the team, we didn't mention the Atlanta Falcons. They let go of their GM and head coach. Um, I forget their GM's name, but head coach Dan Quinn has been uh, relieved of his duties. He's a guy who brought Atlanta to a Super Bowl, had him to a 28 to three lead at the half of the Super Bowl, only to lose it to Tom Brady 
So that's unfortunate there. And then they had two candidates to be their interim head coach. Both happened to be ex-Buccaneers coaches, actually. Dirk Cutter, Raheem Morris. They ended up going with Raheem Morris. Big Buck, two questions here. Who wins the NFC South in this three-way tie? And is Raheem Morris the right choice over Dirk Cutter for the Atlanta Falcons? There's a lot of things at play. There's a lot of things that we need to kind of assess. Um, I don't want to uh, kind of step on the toes of Atlanta Falcons ownership. Um, I think they, I think they like what they saw in Raheem. Um, Raheem does have uh, head coaching experience with us. So does Dirk. Um, honestly, Raheem Morris, you, ah, man, that's tough. Because they both sucked. <laughs> they both sucked. So it's like, I don't know. I think they're screwed either way, no matter who they put at the helm. I do. I, I will. Be a... I will say I, I, did, I did like Raheem a little more. I, and I do think Raheem was given a worse team to compete with. They both didn't do great. I, I, I do think Raheem is a little better. I don't know. They both sucked. But, man, some was just so – so um, unlikable about Dirk Cutter. I don't know what it really was, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but, man, how ironic. Raheem Morris, yeah. Dirk Cutter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's as if uh, – it's it's kind of reminds me of, like, a boss battle in a video game where, you know, you go against one guy and then you beat him and the next guy you beat him and all of a sudden you take them both together into, like, this kind of super boss – and in this case, the Super Boss is zero and five, um, but it, it, it's uh, it's it's sad. <laughs> it's really sad. I don't want to make fun of the Atlanta Falcons. Their jerseys are awful. Um, they're they could be tanking for for Trevor Phillips. They could they could be tanking for him. Maybe have him uh, sit behind. Um, Matt Ryan for a season, maybe do the Pat Mahomes deal. But that's enough about these losers. We're going to go to uh, teams with an above 500 record. We're going to start with the Panthers. And I'm not – I'm pretty sure you remember last episode, I told you that this Panthers team is not nearly as bad as what we originally thought. Yep. You did say that. You indeed did say that. I mean – I thought they weren't going to be very good. I thought they were going to be a joke. And I think last episode you said it right. They're a lot better than what we thought. I mean, they were who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. Um, <laughs> just keep on bringing it back. But, yeah, dude, like I'm actually pretty impressed with the Panthers. I, I, I know that they're division rivals and everything, but without Cam Newton, this team is actually looking like a pretty good team considering the circumstances and their rebuild mode. Uh, Matt Rule is turning into quite an impressive uh, head coach, but I don't want to kind of give him too much credit. They did play off against the Atlanta Falcons. I kind of figure if they actually had a team that could play in the second half, they might not have walked away with a win there, um, and they would not be a part of this three-way tie for the for the NFC South uh, uh, title. As for the Saints, the Saints got incredibly lucky against the Chargers. Um, if the Chargers kicker made that kick, we would still be sitting at the very top of the NFC South. 
but you cannot rely on other teams to do your own job for you. So it's, it's a disappointing week all around. How about that? It's, it's one of those kind of weeks where you kind of have to, you know, sit on your hands and kind of reflect on everything. But with this three-way tie, just to kind of answer your question, I still think that the Saints would be the number one contender for the NFC South. And, um, but that that's hanging on by a thread. Drew Brees did not look good in the first half against the Chargers. And I remember a lot of people, a lot of these Jameis Winston stands kind of calling his name, seeing if they can get their boy on the field in a Saints jersey for the first time. So um, I still think the Saints. The Saints, uh, they have way too many weapons. Uh, one less with uh, uh, Slants McGee. Uh, Michael Thomas, uh, don't say that too loudly because I think he might throw a punch at me or something. Um, yeah, like, whew, like that guy needs to – he's – he's I don't know. I don't know. These These athletes are completely on a different mental scale than we ever would be. And we don't rightly know what kind of transpires, but you always have to keep your couth but I still say Saints. Yeah, I'm hoping the Bucks obviously pull it out, but I think the Saints have the edge, obviously, right now. Only in due fact to them having a victory over Tampa already. So, you know, it's always a big thing if a team goes 2-0 and against someone, so the Bucks can't let that happen. Next time we play the Saints, it's going to be a huge game. I still think Carolina, I, I think we got them covered, hopefully, knock on wood. I think that, you know, they're kind of just hot out of the gate. They have a tough game this week against Chicago. So that'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. And as you said, with, with the Atlanta Falcons, that whole thing is interesting. They're 0-5, kind of a dumpster fire there. I don't really know. It's tough between the Falcons and uh, – I, 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 not Falcons, between Panthers, Saints, and Bucks. I'm going to go with the Bucks, though, and I do sound like a homer there, you know, picking the Bucks, obviously, because, you know, they're our beloved Buccaneers. But I have faith. I have faith that they, they turn it around, and hopefully that starts this week. How, how nice would that be with the upset win at home over Green Bay? Great number 12 in Aaron Rodgers against great number 12 in Tom Brady. I think that would just be fantastic. These Packers teams have a ton of greats and a ton of players to look out for, that's for sure. And that should transfer us into my second MF to look out for. Okay. It's almost impossible. <laughs> it's almost impossible not to mention Aaron Rodgers when referring to the Green Bay Packers. And for that reason, and that's and that's for a reason, actually. Uh, if this guy gets going, we might as well go to the store, buy a box of chocolates, pick up a copy of Out Magazine, socially distance our head between our thighs, and kiss our asses goodbye. <laughs> a large part of that success rests on the shoulders of this MF to look out for, Corey Lindsley. 
this six foot three, three hundred pound fifth round draft pick out of Ohio State has been hiking the ball to Aaron Rodgers since 2015. Cheesehead Twitter is clamoring for ownership to extend this man's contract and for a great reason. Uh, Football Focus, call me, has an interesting statistic referring to the offensive lineman with the most snaps without allowing a single pressure this season, and that honor goes to Mr. Corey Lindsay with 152 snaps without allowing a single pressure on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Thursday night, Defense kind of struggled against a Chicago Bears offensive line that was hurt. Uh, We're playing up against a much stiffer competition. Uh, The Packer offensive line is ranked second in pass protection as per footballoutsiders.com. Call me. Only allowing three sacks in four games. Now, T-Sizzle, I don't know about you. Missing Vita Vea against an offensive line, I think the defense is going to have a hard time containing Aaron Rodgers. What do you think? Yeah, and I mean, this Packers team averages north of 35 points a game right now. So not only is Aaron Rodgers getting the job done, their whole team is in general. But like you said, that starts up front. And when you add guys like David Bakari and Corey Lindsley, this mf to look out for. And Lindsley, you know, it's just hard. And like you said, without Vita Vea, now we're going to have Nunez Roaches or O'Connor or Will Golston or – um, you know, just not our starter going up against a very good offensive line. And it's not never a good thing when you're shorthanded going up against the best of the best. So let's hope that other guys like a rookie in Khalil Davis or, you know, a lowly touted veteran right now who makes their name for themselves, such as Pat O'Connor or Raheem Nunez Roaches, step up to the challenge against Corey Lindsley hopefully have their way with him and hopefully keep Rodgers on his toes. Cause if not, as you said, big Bukowski, it could be a long day. could be a long day. If they establish the run too, it'll be a long day. If they establish the play action pass, it'll be a long day for the defense. If we don't get after Aaron Rodgers. And unfortunately, Aaron Rodgers is one of those kinds of freaks at freak athletes that even if you do put pressure on him, if there's 12 seconds left in the fourth quarter, you almost guarantee this man is going to get into uh, it, his team into a position to win. So, and that really kind of just comes down to like just getting after him and not giving him the opportunity to uh, get on the field. I think we're going to see offensive coordinators kind of meet and bump heads a little bit. Both of their goals should be, to keep the opposing quarterback on the bench as much as possible or else it's going to hurt them. But anyway, which leads us to this MF to look out for on the defensive side of the ball, and that is the number one ranked corner via pro football focus right now, Jair Alexander, the 18th pick in the 2018th draft out of Louisville, Kentucky made an immediate impact making the all-rookie team. Mike Penny, um, or Mike Patton. Mike, how, how do you pronounce his last name? Patine. Mike Patton. Patine. Okay. Something. I, I always hear different uh, pronunciations of that, especially with the pissed-off Cleveland fans. Um, you know, it's <laughs> Patine, it's Poutine, it's Buffett. <laughs> 
it's asshole, it's whatever. <laughs> the whole French shit. He has an incredible shenanigans. confidence in the kid. <laughs> yeah, you got to throw the book at this wonton. Um, but anyway, he has incredible confidence in the kid, and not only in pass coverage, which is a 90.8 rating, number one amongst corners in 2020, but he also blitzes them. Week one against the Vikings, Kirk Cousins was a sitting duck in the end zone. Jair Alexander made it look like the easiest two points I've seen anyone have. If I'm Tom Brady, a boy can dream, I'm circling 23 in the film room. I'm getting Mike Evans and Chris Godwin way to play. Tony Baloney, how do you stop this guy? Love the nicknames tonight. Keep him coming. The arsenal of him has been great. 23 Savage, as he calls himself on Twitter, he's a beast on defense. I mean, this guy is a real deal. I knew it when I pulled his autograph card a couple of years back, and it was selling for like 50 bucks right away. I'm like, man, people have high stock in this guy. And, well, that high stock is showing why people have high stock in him because, as you said, he's rated as the number one corner right now. When you face elite talents like this, it's always nice to have multiple weapons. So hopefully Chris Godwin is healthy and a go, and hopefully Mike Evans, you know, isn't just decoy Mike Evans. He's been banged up just about every damn game, damn near, but he's still getting a touchdown plus a game. So, you know, Jari Alexander will either shadow Evans or Godwin, I'm sure but it'll be nice to have the other one, you know, at sight of Godwin or Evans because with an elite corner like this, you need more than just one option getting the football. And I expect us to kind of try to get more creative on the offensive side of the ball. I want us to run more pick plays slash not pick plays, you know, because you can't run a pick play in the NFL, but you could run Godwin and Evans crisscrossing routes and one of them could end up getting free there. And both are incredibly dangerous if they're given the ball in space. Um, and I think that's the kind of the only way that we can handle Jair Alexander. He's going to be an influence. He's going to make plays. I just, if there is a guy to do a pick six on Justin Watson, like we've seen almost, I think, three out of the last five games we played, I think it would be with Jair Alexander and he's going to score and we're going to move on to the Green Bay Packers, uh, not top scorer, but he does do his best. And that, sir, is Mr. Aaron Jones. The He is probably the best running back the Packers have ever had. I, I can't really think of any other running backs off the top of my head unless it was back in the old Lombardi days. But he is five foot nine, two hundred and eight pounds, UTEP minor, drafted in twenty seventeen. And he was a fifth round pick. hundred and fifty two selection. He has three uh thirty five touches, which is tied for fourteenth. Uh three hundred and seventy four yards already, which kind of carries over to a 5.86 yards per carry, which is really good. I, those, are, those are the numbers that I expect Rojo to produce eventually. That's the goal there. If we can make Rojo look like Aaron Jones, I think our team, our offense has the balance necessary to be elite. Um, and he also is tied for fifth with the most rushing touchdowns 
which is fourth. Now, I bring him up because we are missing Vita Vea. If, uh, if Huevos Rancheros Nuches can um, plug up the holes like Vita Vea does, and I think he can, I think we can hold this guy and force the, the Packers to be one-dimensional. The Packers might be – yeah, I mean, it's it's really just tough because Aaron Jones is such a good running back, as you described, you know, and he really was kind of under the radar coming into the NFL, as you said. So it, it's one of those things where this guy has been a great story. I have him on a lot of fantasy teams he's producing at such a high clip. When you put a guy like this, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams together, holy hell – it causes for a damn headache, especially Jones and Rodgers. As you said, we really got to try and shut down one aspect or the other, but even if we shut down one aspect of the game, the other guy's going to come out to play, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be – I wonder if the Packers are going to come out with Devontae Adams back and kind of do their more traditional pass-first approach or if they're going to do what they've been doing lately with Adams out and continue with that run-first with Aaron Jones approach. Either way, one of the better running backs in the league, if not becoming the best running back in the NFL, Aaron Jones is definitely a top mf to look out for. His talent, his um, willpower, his offensive game is just incredible. This is a guy to look out for. He's dangerous. Circle him for sure, especially without Vita Vea. That is, that, that's a big loss against a guy like Aaron Jones. So it'll be interesting to see how the Buccaneers um, come stacked up with their cards against Aaron Jones and the Packers this Sunday at 325 Central. And once again, you are listening to the Bucketeers podcast. We are a proud member of the TSPN. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Google. You can find us on Apple. You can find us on timeskew.com. Ain't that right, Big Buck? Yes, sir. You can follow us on Twitter as well, at Bucketeers and at TSPN underscore to keep up with your crazy world of sports. Yeah, crazy world of sports is right. You just never know. The craziness keeps, uh, you know, surrounding us in football with COVID and whatnot. Baseball's coming to a close. We'll see who wins it there. It might be a dual Tampa. Tampa and Tampa with the Lightning and the Rays. You never know if the Rays could be another team to bring it home. We've seen another Florida team fall just short with the heat going down to the Lakers. So it's all about football right now, though, but it is a crazy world of sports. So go make sure you check out the TSPN, Timescue Podcast Network on Twitter, TSPN underscore Big Buck. That leads us into our closeout segment before we get into Monday Night Football score predictions. Red and Peter, brother, are you ready? I love it, I love it, you never know, or you never know how Big Buck's going to approach it, always hype though, always, always hype, so, question one, Big Buck, Red or Pewter, does being in a three-way tie for first, as we mentioned earlier with Carolina and New Orleans, and potentially losing two in a row, make this week against Green Bay a must win, Red or Pewter? Man, uh, oof. Who are the Saints playing this week? Do you know off the top of your head? 
let me pull out my handy dandy um, top of my head. Well, I do know who Carolina is playing, um, but the Saints. Let me let me think. The Saints. I'm drawing a blank here. God damn! I think they they um the Carolina plays the Bears because that's my hometown team. So I know the Bears travel to Carolina. That'll be a good game, as we mentioned before. Four and one Bears, three and two Panthers. As for the Saints, let me pull out my phone here. The Saints do play this week. The they, Panthers. No. No, that's later on. Oh, Sorry, so I'm the Saints wrong. they're on a bye. It looks like. Oh, good. So oh, that's super. That that's why you know that's why we can't think of who they played because they're on a bye week. So we have Carolina playing uh, Chicago and New Orleans on a bye. So if we lose this game, does that mean that the Saints would be number one? In- in the NFC, the Panthers win and we lose, we might see the Carolina Panthers be number one in the NFC South. Like, that that could be something. So I would consider this absolutely a must win. I think Tom Brady, he's not going to accept anything less, and especially the, the embarrassment that was Thursday Night Football. He does not want to replicate that. I think he is he, – he's going to get this team ready – Absolutely think this is a must win. I'm going to go pewter here. Yeah, I agree. I'm going pewter. I think it's huge. I don't think we could fall to 500, especially with these injuries. We've seen Howard go down. We've seen Vea go down. So you never know week to week who else could go down. It's pewter. You got to get to four and two. It looks a lot better on the resume at years end than three and three at this point in time. Question two, red or pewter? Big Bukowski, you have trust in Donovan Smith your favorite player ever moving forward? I want him to do well. I I know I'm really harsh on him, and I know that, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan base is incredibly harsh on him for good reasons, you know. I want him to succeed. I want him to be better than he actually is. Um, Man, it's just when he's good, he's good, and when he's bad, he's absolutely crippling. I don't know if I can handle that inconsistency. And I think for this, for the health of Bruce Arians, I think we might have to find another home for this guy, especially for $15 million a year. He's not worth that. Absolutely not worth that. If, if you have a player that constantly stalls drives on, on stupid penalties, then I, he's definitely, he's not even worth 7 million. He's, he's actually a liability. He costs us money. You know, and but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go red, man. I don't know if he can win back my loyalty. I'll be happy, but I always get the feeling that if he wins back my loyalty, he's gonna also disintegrate it as quickly as obtaining it. So I'm still gonna go red. I can't handle it. I wish him luck. Um, and if he wants to step up and be the player that we know that he can be then I'll, I'll definitely apologize and, and eat my hat. But I don't know. I think I might have to go hungry here. I'm going to go red. Yeah, it's tough. This is a real tough one. Um, Donovan Smith, it seems like he's one of those guys who plays 
that like he plays good against who he should play good against, but then obviously against the elite of the elite, he struggles. And we've seen him struggle against the Saints, against not only Cam Jordan, but you know their defensive line in general. And then we've seen him struggle when a guy like Khalil Mack lined up against him. So it'll be interesting to see if we could indeed trust Donovan Smith moving forward. I'm going to go red. I don't really trust him. It is hard to trust him right now. It's one thing to hope he turns his season around, but, you know, it's a completely different thing to say you trust him in general. So we'll see how that pans out. We'll see if Donovan Smith is a liability or an asset moving forward. Obviously, right now he's a liability. Hopefully he becomes an asset like we paid him to be because we're paying him a lot of money, and that money could disappear quick in the NFL, and Donovan Smith might disappear quicker than he thinks, so he better start playing great. Big Buck, question three to round out Ratter Pewter, then we'll close out with our Monday Night Football prediction. Scotty Miller will bounce back, Ratter Pewter. Man, that's going to be close. Uh, because... There are two trains. There's, there's two, there are two thoughts that are coming into my brain right now. And this is all off the cuff. Um, with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, you would think that those two would bring in more ball traffic than Scotty Miller. But I saw an interesting statistic. Uh, Tom Brady is not throwing to his wide receivers a lot. He's, he's doing his check downs. He's doing, you know, what we expected him to do, which is, you know, uses tight ends and using his, uh, um, his running backs. And it just depends on the game. Uh, and that's the beauty of it. Um, I, you know, I, I honestly, I'm going to say pewter here just because I think the Packers defense is going to be so worried about Chris Godwin and, um, Mike Evans. I think Scotty Miller could sneak up and, and have a, a really reliable game. I think him, and I also think Cam Brate is also going to have a wonderful game as well. As, so fair, go pewter. as fair as your dictation is on how Scotty Miller will perform, I think it solely lies on if I play him in fantasy or not. If <laughs> the weeks that I play him in fantasy, he's been brutal, including last week. And then the weeks that he's on my bench, he's taken off. So I think I might have to bench him. Bench and, him. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to bench him. Sacrifice yourself. Yeah. Okay. Think, well, that that means Gronk's playing for me. So Gronk, I haven't played him yet this year. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe the time I do play Gronk, he will, you know, pop off. So maybe I got to play Gronk as a reverse psychology factor. Now, folks, I want to go ahead and narrate what's going on inside of Tampa Tones' mind right now. This is the <laughs> mind of a gambler. The outside forces rest on whether or not he does specific tasks. That's a gambler's mind. So I'm just going to offer a little bit of narration here. And we're going to go ahead and zoom in on what exactly is going on inside this gambler's mind. He believes that everything that he does reflects on how these million-dollar players play. So <laughs> that's probably my best. That's the best uh, uh, Steve Irwin um, RIP. Steve, Steve Irwin impression that I can do. Well, you're not wrong in saying, you know, I have a gambler's mentality. There's a reason why I'm watching Coastal Carolina, Louisiana Tech on a Wednesday. 
Um, nonetheless, yes, I do agree with you on that, though. I, I have a very interesting mindset on things. But, yeah, I'll bench Scotty Miller, and I'll bench him, so then I'll say pewter. He will bounce back because he'll be on my bench, you know. A guy a guy on my bench is going to bounce back, and then I'm going to play him the next week. So you might want to bench him next week because then, uh, he, you know, he probably won't do anything. But I'm going pewter. Big Buck, I'm a little lost and confused, though, because I, we were 3-0 and in my John Lynch creamsicle I wore it last Sunday. We lost. So that outside force got disrupted. We'll have to see what I need to wear um, this coming Sunday. But nonetheless, we usually predict Thursday night football. There's nothing to predict this Thursday night as the Bills Chiefs were supposed to play. Obviously, we got Tuesday night football. Yes, Tuesday night football this week. So no Thursday night football. Now we have a Monday night doubleheader, two playoff games perhaps. I mean, these are matchups that can easily both be playoff matchups, Big Buck. Even though Dak went down, the Cowboys, to me, are still the head-over-heels favorites to win that division, especially with a good backup with Andy Dalton and a lead in the division already. Big Buck, what's your Monday night score predictions for this doubleheader? First Bills, Chiefs, and then Cardinals, Cowboys to wrap up Monday. Bills Chiefs, um, Josh Allen looked like crap. He absolutely did. Shout out to Kevin Drew, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, he's hating life right now. Um, and I'm and you know, that kind of makes me happy. But, you know, all the best of luck to all the Bills fans out there. Uh, but yeah, Josh Allen looked like absolute garbage. Um whew, I'm gonna say Chiefs twenty eight, Bills twenty. Mm. And then, yeah, I think the Chiefs are – the Chiefs, I don't know. Pat Mahomes is – I don't know what's going on with him. He's not the all-star quarterback that we're kind of painting him as. I'm seeing a lot of mistakes. And, that you know, that could be with the offseason or whatever. No doubt he is the most gifted quarterback in the NFL – um, and pro- and the highest paid half a billionaire, um, but I'm gonna say 28-20. Um, and as for the Cardinals Cowboys, you know what? I like Andy Dalton, and I like Andy Dalton with this Cowboys offense because Andy Dalton did not really have the best of luck with the Cincinnati Bengals, and we're seeing that come through fruition with how Joe Burrow is struggling as well. Uh, it just seems like without an offensive line, a quarterback cannot succeed. Shocker. Um, so I think with the Cowboys, they have a little bit of a better offensive line because they built that offense to be uh, uh, run heavy with uh, Zeke Elliott. They have a lot of big bodies up at the front there. If Andy Dalton gets enough time in the pocket, I think the I think Cowboys could put up 35 against the Cardinals. I'm going to say Cowboys win this 35 to 31. Yeah, I think that both of your scores would make for fantastic games in these perhaps playoff previews. I think the Cowboys win as well. I'm going with the Bills getting a W this time around, though. You know, I'm not going to. Wow, you're taking the Bills over the Chiefs? Well, I actually have the Bills making the Super Bowl. I have the Bills and Bucks in my Super Bowl before the year I make predictions every year. And I have the Bills against the Bucks. I like to be a little different. I mean, the Bills do look very good when their team plays and when it's supposed to play. Okay, let's not forget that they kind of got 
winged around a little bit not making excuses for him but you know when you're used and prepared to play on a day and then your schedule gets thrown off playing on a Tuesday kind of interesting and the Titans had so much rest and whatnot but I'm going with Bills over Chiefs 20 to 29 to 21 weird score I know but that's what I'm going with 29 to 21 come and, on dude <laughs> it's like one point on mine and one point on <laughs> yeah, right, you, you went with Chiefs, though. I did go with Chiefs. You're right. You're right. I did go with Chiefs. So that's a big point swing, actually. You know, that's... I mean, you're right. You're right. 100% right. And then um, for the other game, I'm going to be similar to you. I don't think it's as high scoring. I think Cowboys rely on the ground. I think Cowboys with Andy Dalton position themselves in a good spot to win the game over Arizona. Arizona's a weird team. I think they're a good team, but I don't think they're great yet. I think Dallas wins a very important game for them because they're a half game up since the Eagles and Bengals tied. Dallas is only a half game up, and now without Dak, this kind of almost turns into a must win. It would be very good as to let the uh, Washington football team and the Giants beat up interdivision rivals, let them beat up on each other this week, and then they'll see what happens. But I think Dallas wins 24-20. to 20. I think it's a little lower scoring, but I think it's a very good game. We'll see what happens. I'm excited for this Monday night uh, doubleheader. Just like that, another episode in the book, Big Bucks or Big Buck, what are you thinking? And, um, you know, any last words until the pregame pod this Sunday? I mean, uh, just kind of a shout-out to our uh, our Red and Pewter group chat. You guys are incredible, and, I, and every single one of you listening to this podcast right now means the world to me. It means the world to us. Um, and I know a lot of – I'm – becoming like a bit of a Debbie Downer and everything. And I'm not really, I'm not very confident going into this game. Um, we'll go into more detail as to why with the pregame pod that we're going to record on Saturday for your Monday morning coffee or sorry, Sunday morning coffee. Um, but yeah, dude, I, 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 I appreciate everybody. Um, thank you. Thank you guys for listening and, and supporting us. And we're, we're just getting better every single week. Um, but I am just not very confident against the Packers. Um, I'll, I'll, for right now, I'll give my score. And I think the Packers take us 31 or sorry, 35 to 21. Mm, That would be, that'd be heartbreaking, but not a surprise. Um, as big buck said, get your coffee ready for Sunday. I'll share my score prediction on Sunday. Once again, I'm Tampa tones. He's big Buckowski. Find us on Twitter at Bucketeers. Find us on Google, Apple, Spotify, timeskew.com. We are out until Sunday. Peace.